Next on Contemplate. The DNA of the church, the DNA, that which is true of and passed down in every single Christ follower from the beginning, the DNA is faith. In our last episode, Pastor David gave us a great example of a tree and its roots, and how the fact that we can see the tree gives us evidence that there are roots that we can't see. Let's learn more. Please get out your Bible, and here's Pastor David. When I see the tree, evidence of the roots. That's faith, okay? Lock that in. Faith is the substance, that which holds up, that which we do see. It's the invisible, okay, that we know is there because of what we see in the visible. That's what faith is. Okay, and we know in the same way all these things that we're talking about, all this stuff that we talk about, the evidence of Christianity, the evidence of of Jesus' life and his work, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, that he was born of a virgin, all of these things that we believe that are part of the big story, that the world was made by God, that it was made perfect, all this kind of stuff, we believe we can't see it all, but there are things we can see that are like that tree, they lead to the roots of these things that we cannot see, okay? And when we see those roots, we act based on them, right? Because when we have faith, that builds a root, a seed in us that roots and grows and fruits, right? Roots and fruits, okay? That rhymes, so let's think about it that way. When we have faith, it grows, and there's evidence of our faith in what we can see. Now, this is what James, in the book of James, the Holy Spirit through James says this, verse 2.18. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What is he talking about? There are some people who have gotten very worked up about this particular uh, passage, this section of James where he's talking about faith and works working together because we know that there's no works that we can do to earn salvation. There's no works that we can do to get right with God. There was only one way to do that. That was the death of his son. That's it. Okay? There's nothing that you can do to make that happen. That's not what James is saying. Here's what he's saying. If there's roots... There are fruits. If there's roots, there are fruits. He's saying, you tell me that you have faith, but I don't see a tree. I don't see any fruit. I'll show you the tree and the fruit so you know that there's a root. In other words, the substance is there because of the evidence of what you can see. Right? You can see this. Therefore, what can't be seen is real. That's what he's talking about. My faith is real. How do you know? Because you can see it out working itself. It's working itself out, okay? Evidence of the foundation of the root. So reason is investigating the tree and the fruit and those things that we can see. Faith is making the reasonable jump, the reasonable deduction that because there's a 300-foot tree, there's got to be some roots holding it up. That's what faith is. It is not some sort of blind belief in fairy tales. It is a belief that we have that is grounded in what we can see and what obviously must be invisible for that visible to be true. That's what it is, okay? In the same way, 
This is the way we believe in Scripture. This is the way we believe in God. We believe in love. We believe in morality. We believe in hope. Okay? Because we can see the tree. Right? There is a tree in Christ. He's shown us, okay? And here's the deal. Good roots make good fruits. Good roots make good fruits. Fruit is evidence of the root and the type of root. So we don't just talk about the evidence of, you know that I talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Evidence for um, what we believe, reasons, the reasonableness of our faith, right? I don't just do that because it's fun and it's an intellectual exercise. I'm not going to lie to you. It is fun for me. I love thinking about how, how amazing God is. And how he is ordered and how, and how things make sense. I, I do love that. But the reason I talk to you about it is so that you can see as, as we work through and as we study the tree and the fruit, you can see and reason to the root so that it will make a root in you. So make it a root in you. Um, Jesus is actually, I mean, there, this kind of imagery is in Scripture. He says he's the vine and we're the branches. He's the root making us fruit. Right. In fact, um, Jesus is talked about as basically that visible thing that helps us understand the invisible thing. Okay. Let's talk about about that. Let's go. We're in the book of Hebrews still. We're going to go back to the first chapter, and this is what it says about Jesus: God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, there's a lot going on there. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That's what it's saying. Jesus is the tree that we can see, the fruit that we can see, so that we can reason to the root. Okay? God, I mean, Jesus is God, and he's the visible image of all that God is. But God's also, there's also an invisible part. And Jesus is the visible, showing us the invisible, and even uses the, the idea of upholding in this, in this passage, which we just talked about, the substance, that which upholds the foundation. Okay, the root Jesus is that evidence of God. He is God. Okay? Um, I want to, uh, to take a second and just let that sink in for a minute because when we talk about Christmas, we talk, why are we excited about this time of year? Why are we excited about Christmas? Not because we really believe Jesus was born on December 25th or something like that, but because we're celebrating the fact of what we call the incarnation, that we got to see the visible image of the invisible God, that Jesus walked on earth as a human being. An incredible thing, that's Christmas, that we got to see the express image in Christ of the invisible God. Listen to this conversation Jesus had with his disciples. This is in John 14, uh, starting at verse 7, and I will find it here in a second. Starting at verse 7, and we're going to go through verse 11. It says this. Jesus is talking. He says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. 
Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Show us, show us the Father, we'll, we'll be good. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. What's he saying? You see me, you see what's invisible also. In seeing me, the tree, you see the root. If you've seen me, You've seen the Father. And he's saying, if that's not enough for you, how about the works? How about the miracles? How about the things that you've seen? The lame walking, the blind seeing, the dead raised, these things, how about those? If, if just seeing me isn't enough, then you at least have that. In other words, there's all kinds of evidence. All kinds of evidence of the invisible. I'm asking you to have faith based on what you can see about what you can't see. That's what he's saying. Right? Um, so why do we do this? Why do we give, as we study the Word and as we go through this, why do we spend so much time giving the reason, the reasons for the hope that's within us? Because ultimately, we want to see the seed of truth planted in you, growing roots and moving out into good works and good fruits. Because that's what happens, okay? Good roots are going to produce good fruits. And that seed is planted by the Holy Spirit. He often does it through showing you the truth. And so we talk about the evidence so that you'll believe not just in that, but in what's behind it, that which is invisible, which will plant a seed in you, which will grow roots and fruits. And we pass faith in one to faith in another. In fact, the DNA of the church, the DNA, that which is true of and passed down in every single Christ follower from the beginning, the DNA is faith, breeding faith. Jesus showed the invisible image of the invisible God. His disciples had faith because of the evidence that they saw, they passed theirs to the church and the church fathers and they passed to the next and they passed the next to this very day in this very room. Faith has bred faith and has bred faith. Okay? Not blind faith. Not I believe in fairies, but faith. Now there's another side to this coin. Okay? What if the seed and the root are bad? Then what kind of fruit will that produce? Bad fruit, right? So, if we have faith in the wrong things, remember I told you, you're gonna have faith no matter how you build this story. No matter how you build this worldview, it takes faith to believe that there's a God, it takes faith to believe there's not a God. It takes faith to believe that these things are right and wrong, it takes faith to believe that these, these other things are right and wrong. Whatever you believe about all these things, it takes some level of faith what if you don't look properly and investigate properly that which you can see and you make a mistake about that which is invisible? Then you've got bad roots, perverted roots, and you're going to get perverted 
fruit. We've read in Romans 1, I think a couple times during this series. And I'm going to read it again today because it's important to this particular point that we're making. I'm going to start a little bit earlier than we started last time with a couple verses. And then we're going to go through uh, the part that we talked about before. So Romans 1, I'm starting in, in verse 16. It says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to stop there for a second because I used to not understand what what that was referring to, the faith to faith thing. I didn't get that. It's revealed from faith to faith. What does that mean? I think it's very clear in the context of what we've seen Scripture say about faith. And as we've walked through this, exactly what it means. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith to faith. The disciples' faith, to the next faith, to the next faith, to the next faith. Faith, breeding faith, breeding faith, breeding faith. That's how the righteousness of God is revealed. Proper faith in proper truth from what God has revealed about himself. What he's shown us, what can be seen, we are able to have faith to what cannot be seen. And proper faith breeds righteousness and more faith. Now what happens when we have the wrong ideas. The next verse goes right on. It comes right out of this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. In other words, he's, they can see They can see the tree so that they know about the roots, okay? Has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, literally trees, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. What did it say? It said, from the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. In other words, I can see creation, therefore I can see what's invisible. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen creation, you've seen God. Because what's invisible is an obvious deduction, an obvious step of faith from what's visible. Right? That's what he's saying. And he's saying that instead of making the clear step, the clear jump from, hey, I'm showing you all these things about who I am, make the next step very easily to truth. People suppress the truth and say, no, no, it means this thing over here. And when they do that, a different type of root, a perverted root, a suppressed truth root grows up in them and has entirely different consequences. If we go to verse 28 in the same chapter here, God tells us what happens. He says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, okay? They didn't want to have faith in God. So instead, they made up for themselves these other things and did not retain God in their knowledge. And this is what happened. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, which don't make sense. Being filled with all unrighteousness, 
Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They're whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. What happens when there's a bad root? Bad fruit. If you suppress the truth, okay, you're walking along, here's what I can see, here's what reason is showing me, here's what God's showing me through creation, here's what God's revealed to me in his word, here's what I've seen in the lives of serious believers, all of these things pointing one direction, towards God, and I'm walking down that road, and I decide, no, 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 I'm going to suppress that so I can walk down this road. This road leads to all those things that you just heard about. And we've all done it. We've all done it. So, when we misread or suppress evidence, then the things that we have faith in make a bad root, and they make bad fruit, okay? As an attorney, if I'm in court, okay, and evidence in the case is suppressed or perverted, somebody gets on the stand and lies, which I know none of you would ever do that, but believe it or not, I have reason to believe that there's a lot of people who will lie on the stand. When you suppress evidence or when you pervert evidence, there's a bad verdict. There's a bad verdict because the thing, ultimately in a, in a lawsuit, you never get to 100% certainty, right? Beyond a reasonable doubt or preponderance of the evidence. These are the types of things that we think about. Clear and convincing evidence. We have all these standards, none of which say 100%. In every case, when a judge or a jury makes a verdict, it's not 100%. It's based on their best reason on what they can see and then a step of faith to make a verdict. If you suppress or pervert evidence, you get a bad verdict, and bad things happen. Maybe somebody goes to jail. Maybe somebody who should go to jail doesn't. Maybe somebody loses a bunch of money. Whatever the case may be, if you pervert the evidence, you pervert the result. And so what are we doing? What are we doing here? We're trying to make sure that we are not suppressing or perverting the evidence. We're looking at our worldview. We're taking it brick by brick. We're putting it together. We're talking about the true story of everything because it's so important to get it right because if you get it wrong, you heard in Romans about what happens there. Now, I need to probably get to the Christmas story because I'm running out of time, and this is a Christmas series. So let's talk about the Christmas story a little bit. I'm going to read a couple passages about Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joe, the, the parents of Jesus. And as I do so, I want you to take all this that we've been talking about and the way that faith and reason work together. And I, and I want you to integrate that as we work through these passages. Because here's the deal. There are many people who look at the story of the birth of Christ as if it was something in a legend book or something, you know, a fairy tale, a bedtime story. Right? Or if they admit that something really happened there, then they look at people like Mary and Joseph as Iron Age idiots, right? Or Bronze Age. I don't even know what age it was. That's not my thing. But these old people with their old ideas, they didn't know science, they don't understand anything. Of course, they could believe in a virgin birth. They probably believed in dragons, whatever, right? That's the way that they look at these people. So as we read the passage, 
okay, that the Holy Spirit wrote, and we're going to read in Luke and in Matthew, the Holy Spirit inspired to be written a couple thousand years ago, okay, when people were supposedly dumb and didn't know anything about science. I want you to see the way that faith and reason are interplaying and working together. Okay, let's get started. We're going to start in Luke, our old buddy who wrote the book of Acts. Um, the Holy Spirit also wrote Luke, which is about the life of Christ through Luke. That's why it's so cleverly named Luke. Okay, now, I'm going to start in verse 26, and we're going to read to verse 38. All right, let's, let's work through it. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But... When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. What's she doing? Reasoning. What does it mean to consider? To consider something. She's reasoning. She's thinking about it. We're going to have a lot to think about, too, in our next episode, and I hope you'll join us. And if you enjoy hearing Pastor David here on Contemplate, let me invite you to hear him in person this Sunday morning here at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axechurchnw.org or call us at 360-885-9000. Hope to meet you this Sunday. Well, that's it for today, and be sure to check out our next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.